Today's scripture reading is from Colossians 3, 1 through 12. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever, whatever belongs to you, earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of God, of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. But Christ is all and, in, and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's not uncommon for Christians to feel frustrated over how difficult it can be to change. You ever feel that way? Uh, sometimes we have habits that we would like to break or ways that we want to grow. Um, once in a while we become aware of flaws in our character that we sort of hope will go away. And then very often we discover that the changes we long for don't happen very easily. It's not easy to change. And this passage that was just read for us, uh, this, this is one of the great sections of the New Testament where that problem is addressed. This talks about how believers in Christ change and grow and, be, and, and become what God has called them to be. Now, the book of Colossians was written, uh, a letter written to early Christians who primarily came from a background of paganism. They, were, they had grown up in Gentile homes. They had grown up with idol worship and different kinds of superstitions. And so a lot of them brought, they just brought a lot of baggage with them from their past. And unfortunately, they had received some pretty bad advice about how to deal with that baggage. Earlier in the book, you read that there were some teachers in their church who had been telling them that if they wanted to change and grow, all they needed to do was um, follow this certain list of rules and keep some regulations, that most of which came from the old Mosaic Covenant. They just said, if you follow these rules and you do these things and you, and you engage in these practices, you will grow into what God has called you to be. And, and the, uh, the problem was that they tried, they tried following those rules, and it didn't work. It didn't change them. In fact, in the verses right before this passage in, in uh, chapter 2, the apostle wrote this. He said, these rules are based on merely 
human commands and teachings. Like, these are man-made rules. He said, such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment of the body. He said, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. They don't work. So now in in the passage we're looking at today in chapter 3, the apostle lays out some basic principles uh, about how growth, how change does happen in the life of believers. And at the, uh, at, at the risk of oversimplifying, we don't want to oversimplify this, but at, at the risk of doing that, basically what the apostle says, he says to grow as a Christian, you need two things, all right? You need to see who you are in Christ, and you need to be who you are in Christ. So first, uh, you need to see who you are. You've probably been to… Uh, Oh, the, a boardwalk or carnival, Chuck E. Cheese, you know, a place like that, and you see these, uh, these funhouse mirrors. You know what I'm talking about, like the mirror, the, the, the glass is curved or it's distorted, and it, it just makes you look great. You know, either you're really tall and skinny or you're short and stocky or you have a short torso but long legs. It just it, it distorts the image. So when you're looking into one of those mirrors, you don't see yourself as you truly are, Okay. A problem that many followers of Christ have is they're not seeing themselves as they truly are in God's eyes. You, you focus on your fears, you focus on your failures, you, 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 you focus on your, your struggles with sin or, or, or with difficulty, and you, and you just go around saying, I am a loser, I am a failure, God must be so disappointed with me, and the apostle says, no. You are looking into a funhouse mirror. You, you are not seeing, believer, you're not seeing the real you. And of verse 9, verse 10, he says, you, Christian, you have taken off the old self with its practices. And verse 10, you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. In other words, b- believer in Christ, you are someone new. Now, a, a concept that the Bible teaches, it, it, it seems a little bit um, mysterious, but the Bible describes it as absolutely real. The Bible says that whenever anyone turns from their sin and places their trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit, in, in, a, in, a, in a spiritual sense, unites that person with Jesus. You're given unity with Christ. So often when we think about what happens when you become a Christian, we think about how Christ comes to live in you. Christ is in you now. That's true. But more frequently, the Bible says you are in Christ. You've been united with Him. And here's what this means. Believer, because you have been united with Christ, in the eyes of God, everything that happened to Jesus happened to you. When when Christ died on the cross, the old you died with Him. Verse 3 says, you died. When Christ rose from the dead, along with Him, you were raised. A new you came into existence. Verse 1 says, you have been raised with Christ. So you are someone new. Others may look at you and say, would you look at your life? Your life is a mess. Your life is a failure. Your life is one disappointment after another. But the Bible says, no, 
end of verse 3, it says, Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Verse 4 says, Christ is your life. One uh, Christian blogger named Gail Rogers wrote some words that I think are, are really helpful. Here's what she wrote. She said, in order to learn the ways of Jesus, you need to understand how God sees you. You need to understand who you really are. When you said yes to God, you stepped into a brand new identity. You do not draw your identity from what you have done or from what has been done to you. You do not get your identity from what other people have said to you or about you. You draw your identity from what God says about you. And so her counsel is, put away the mentality of the past and step into who you are in Jesus. Let me ask you, have you, have you done that? The apostle says in verse 11, here, meaning in Christ, here there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. And these in the first century, these were different ways that they used to categorize people, the little boxes they would put people in, the ways they would evaluate and assess the worth of individuals. And the apostle says, here there is none of that. He says, but Christ is all and is in so the first step toward changing and maturing as, as a Christian is to begin to see who you are in Christ, to, to set your heart on these things, verse 1 says, or to set your mind on these things. You need to see who you are in Him. And uh, before I go into the second, I just feel like I should pray right now. Do you mind if we do that? Our Father, we, I, I want to ask, to whatever degree anyone here today is, has been blinded to who they are in Jesus, they are not seeing themselves as you see them. They have a, a, perhaps a false identity, or they've, they've believed lies, or, or they're, not, they're not seeing themselves from your point of view, I just, I pray by the Holy Spirit that you would allow us to see that. Amen. So, you need to see who you are, and then you need to be who you are in Christ. And, and this, this is really important, and it may seem like I'm splitting hairs, but this is, this is important. When, uh, when Christians grow, they are not striving to become something they're not. Mm-mm. When, when Christians grow, they're just living out who they already are. And, and I think that's the point of verses 5 through 12. Um, so to kind of work through the passage here, according to verse 3, the old you died with Christ. It says, you died. Therefore, verse 5, since you died, it says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, greed, like you died, so put these things to death. That's not part of you anymore right? Again, according to verse 9, you have, this has already happened, you have taken off the old self with its practices. Therefore, verse 8, rid yourself of these practices. It's not part of you anymore. Rid yourselves, it says, of such things as anger, rage, slander, filthy language. So, so um, 
this is calling us to do something. I don't, I don't want us to miss that. We have a responsibility. There are things we need to do. But this is not, Christian, this is not commanding you to work hard, to become something you're not. No, this, this is inviting you, inviting you to be in your daily life the person you already are in Christ. You see that same concept again, um, according to verse 10, you have, already happened, you have put on the new self. You are a new you now. Therefore, verse 12 says, so why don't you put on the kind of clothing that the new you ought to be wearing, right? It says, clothe yourselves with what? With compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. So you're seeing who you are in Christ, and then there's this invitation to now, by God's help, be who you are in Christ. So this, uh, this last week, the New York Mets um, traded with the Cincinnati Reds for a player, a pitcher named Philip Deal. I don't know anything about Philip Deal. I hope he's a good, good pitcher, but uh, they traded for this, this player. And when the baseball commissioner signed the papers to approve that trade, in that very second, the moment he signed those papers or stamped them on whatever he does, in that second, Philip Deal became a New York Met. He doesn't have to work to become a Met. He doesn't have to study how to be a Net. He doesn't have to try hard to somehow turn himself into, into a New York Met. He doesn't have to, actually, he doesn't have to do anything at all. Somebody else did it for him, right? The second those papers were signed, he is a Met. But he still had the Cincinnati Reds uniform. You don't want him to step out on the city field and take the mound for the Mets when he's dressed like a Cincinnati Red, right? What this, so what did he have to do? He had, he had to rid himself of the old uniform and clothe himself with, with the new one. Now, why did he have to do that? Not to try to become something he's not. Mm, no, but merely to be what he already was. Does that make sense? One Christian pastor named John Piper said this. He said, in the Christian life, our activity, our duty, our responsibility is to become in experience what we are in Christ, to live in your day-to-day -day experience, to live as the new people we already are in Jesus. Uh, St. Saint, Saint Augustine, the, uh, the uh, African theologian in the fourth century, he, by his own admission, before he came to Christ, he was a very sexually promiscuous man. And according to one story, one day after his conversion, he was, he was walking through the, the city where he lived, and one of his old former lovers saw him. And I guess she wanted to hook up or something, so she started yelling to him, Augustine, Augustine, over here. And he just kept walking straight by. And, and she yelled out, Augustine, don't you recognize me? It's me, it's me, it's me. And he looked at her and smiled and said, I know, it's you, but it's not me. I'm not the old Augustine anymore. That's not me. I am a new creation in Christ, right? And, and uh, I, want, I just wonder if there are any areas of your life where the old, the old life is calling out to you. Your anger is calling out, it's me, it's me, remember me, anger. Or, or, or it's your fear, remember me, you always give in to fear. And you just need to kind of say, I know who you are, but it's not me. That's not me anymore. I'm new in Christ. I know. Here are some areas of, of life where you might experience that. Verse 5, if you look at it, is basically a list of physical, um, really sexual sins, okay? Verse 8 is a list of relational sins. And would you agree with me 
that both of those lists point to patterns of behavior that are, that are inconsistent, right, with the new people we are in Jesus. That's just not consistent with the life uh, of someone who's been made new in Christ. In fact, verse 6 says, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. God's wrath is coming on the world because of those kinds of sins. And we're not, we're not children of the world anymore, are we? So th those are inconsistent with that. Now, now the, the question is, uh, what are we supposed to do with those old behaviors? And uh, the answer is not, well, try to put some limits to them. Try to keep them under control. See, see, little by little work at cutting them down in your life. No, the answer, the answer is much more severe than that. Verse 8, the apostle says, put them to death. Verse, verse, uh, or that's verse 5. Verse 8, he says, rid yourselves of them. And the word that's translated, rid yourselves, in the book of Acts, it's, that verb is used to describe some people who took off their cloaks and threw them aside. So it's just like, get rid of this. Now, what's interesting about both those verbs, the, the tense of those verbs, it's not the tense that means ongoing, continuous action. Little by little, you squeeze the life out of them. No, it's a word that just means a decisive act on your part. You say, this is, God, with your help, this is not to be part of my life anymore. I need you, Holy Spirit. I need you, Father, help me. Put this to death. What's important to notice, however, from this passage is that the old life cannot merely be removed. It has to be replaced, right? You don't want this, you Mets fans, you don't want this new guy from the Reds just to take off his Reds uniform and then walk out on the field in his underwear. He's right, he's got to put on the new uniform of his new team. And that's what we're told to do in verse 12. Verse 12 says, oh, I love this verse. I love this verse. It says this. Notice especially the first part of this verse, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. What, what would it look like for you to clothe yourself with those qualities? The thing to notice, however, is we are not making these changes in our life so that God will choose us. It says we're already chosen. We're not making these changes so that God will start to see us as holy. It says he already sees us that way, as holy, right? We're not, please understand this, we're not called to make these changes so that God will love us. Mm. It says, believer, you are already dearly loved. Dearly loved to him. So, are you willing to let God teach you to do this? Believer? By the way, this passage is addressed to Christians. That's why I'm primarily talking to believers. But if you're, if you're hearing me talking, you've never come to Christ in faith, do you know that God is inviting you today to come to Him? Just today. Turn to Him in the same way any of us here. Turn from your sin and place your trust in Christ. And everything I'm saying to Christians will be true about you right now. But would you be willing for God to teach you to do this, to to begin to see who you are in the eyes of God and, and then begin to be that, to live that way. Now, when I was a young Christian, I used to, I would read a passage like this and say, oh, that sounds easy. I'm going to go do it. <laughs> I don't respond that way now. Now I read a passage like this and say, oh, 
it's time to pray. I need to ask my Father to help me do this. So again, let's pray. Can we do that? Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, that when we come to Jesus, you take us just the way we are. And thank you that you don't leave us that way. You, you, you teach us to be in our day-to-day -day life who you already see us to be in Jesus, and we want that. And so I pray, I'm not sure how you need to apply this to each and every life that's here, but I just, I ask you to do that by the Holy Spirit. Take your word, may it bear fruit in our lives that brings you glory. We receive this in Christ's name, amen.